Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Is everyone still in that limbo? Christmas has happened. It's not New Year's yet. What do we do? Right? Exactly. Like, I want to celebrate something. I'm not sure what. The, the kids aren't at school yet. You're like, so you're still here. My boss wants me at work. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, it's, it's that time. But thank you for choosing Newbreak and joining us this morning. So I hope we have a good time this morning. Anytime I get an opportunity to speak, I always want it to be a time where we dive into the Word and um, dive into this book we call the Bible um, that has an amazing, amazing love letter written towards us. So we get to dive into that and see how it can be impl- implemented into our lives and how we can change the world around us. So thank you guys for joining us. Today I want to take a look at this idea of reflection, right? It's almost 2020, so most of us have already um, got the planners that we're going to give up on January 15th, right? <laughs> like, all right, I'm getting that gym membership January 16th. No, I'm not going to do it anymore, right? We, we have our list, our goals, but before we do that, we need to reflect. Let's take a look back and see what 2019 looked like. Now, for me, I, I let 2019 be a year where I learned a lot of things about myself and about um, just other people, and so I learned about myself a few things. One of them was that I'm very forgetful. Now, my friends in the room are like, you just figured that out? <laughs> yes, I know, I know. Uh, but I am, I am forgetful, so I, I have to do certain things to make sure I don't forget, so I don't forget, so I don't forget. So I have like three calendars on my phone. Yes, three calendars. I have a Google calendar, an Apple calendar, and a time tree calendar that me and my wife share. I have three because I need three notifications to remind me that I need to be at that place at 6 p.m., or else I will forget. I'm forgetful. And I don't just forget things, I also forget um, the names of items in the house, which I know probably sounds like, oh, that's, that's silly. Well, it can be frustrating when I'm trying to talk to my wife, and she's like, hey, I'm going to you know, warm some food up, so I put it on the stove, and I'm like, oh, just put in the uh, TV box thing that warms up stuff, and you push buttons, and just, she's like, the microwave, is that the word you were looking for? <laughs> yes, the microwave, the microwave will work, right? Or, or during the Christmas season, we had a a weekend where we wore Christmas sweaters. I call them Christmas sweaters because no Christmas sweater is ugly. They're all beautiful, right? (laughs) Except for some of yours. I've seen them. But we had this, it was our Christmas sweater weekend. And I have this Christmas sweater that has a tie on it, but I forgot the name of tie. So I'm like asking Nikki because I have multiple Christmas sweaters because they're all amazing. And I was like, hey, I'm looking for the Christmas sweater. It's got the, uh, the, um, it's got a little neck belt. It like hangs down. (laughs) She's like a tie. It's called a tie. It's called a tie. I don't own one, so why would I know the name of it, you know? <laughs> you know, and I, I've, I've been in line with people when they've said things like, man, I'm, oh, I'm, like, I'm like water hungry. <laughs> Is thirsty? Was thirsty what you were looking for? So I felt like I wasn't the only person, so I, I looked to a valuable resource called social media uh, to see if there were other people who have fallen into this undeniably awful feeling pit of forgetfulness, and I found a couple of them. One of them, my friend forgot the word for slug, so he asked me what you call <laughs> snails without homes. Yeah, that's, that's great. Honestly, I'd be like, hey, you nailed it right on the head. We should call him that from now on. Whenever you see a snail, it's, yeah, snails without homes. Okay, uh, this next one, I couldn't remember the word for counting, so I told my friend to do the number alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> totally makes sense. So I get it. I get it. One, two, three. You know, it's, it's got a bunch of them. And this is my favorite one. 
because I feel like it's something I have done. Um, my wife is in the room right now. She would probably tell me if I've done this one. Dad just said, there should be a Netflix for books. Five minutes later, he shouted, the library. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, it's, it's, it's funny to look at these because I'm sure many of us have fallen into that. But sometimes when it comes to looking into the new year, we forget to remember. Instead of planning exactly what I'm going to do in 2020, I need to pause and stop and say, what was 2019 like? It's, it's so easy to move past all of that. And if I forget to remember, I'm forgetting to reflect. And if I forget to reflect, I'm, I'm not leaving myself an opportunity to grow. And I would hate to walk into 2020 and not learn from my mistakes and my victories of 2019. In fact, not just reflecting on the things that happened in me, but also what God is doing in my life in 2019. Taking time to pause. So that's what today is. New Year's is just a few days away. Let's take time to pause and reflect. All right. This past year, I've experienced, I've seen, I've laughed, I've cried, I've had joy, I've had sorrow. But did I grow? participated in some things. I said no to some things. Did I grow? Was it healthy for me? Where was God faithful? Where in 2019 should I have shouted at the top of my lungs, God is so good. God, you're so good to me. Where in 2019 do we need to say, God, I don't see you right now, but I'm guessing you're here. Give me eyes to see it. What did you miss out on? What words did you say that you wish you didn't or words that you didn't say that you wish you would have? What did 2019 look like? And it begins with this idea of thankfulness, like, thank you that we got through 2019, but Lord, teach me to be thankful, to learn from what I experienced in 2019. And there's someone who who modeled that so well for us, His name is Paul, and we're going to be looking at one of his letters to a church called called the Church of Philippi, and we're going to be looking at the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 1 through 8. And what I love about Saul, his original name was Saul before he became Paul, was what I love about Saul is he was much like us, right? He, He had an issue at one point. That was stopping him from experiencing and sharing grace with the rest of the world. And then one moment, suddenly, a voice came from heaven and changed his life forever. And it was given him a new name, Paul. Now, maybe you don't have a Saul story. But today, if you're in the room, I can guarantee you that God can make your present look so much different than your past that you don't have to be identified by it anymore. But Saul grew up in the church. He grew up in the Jewish culture as a Pharisee and a tent maker. And many of us would assume that he could recite much of the Hebrew Bible simply by memory. You could walk up and say, what does it say? And he would be able to recite it because of how much he spent time in it, diving into the word. And then comes in Jesus onto the scene. And Saul said, there's no way that this can be the Messiah. Therefore, what my opinion is has to be right for everybody else. 
So Saul traveled from synagogue to synagogue to find people that were believing in Jesus, those of the way, Christians at the time, and he would say, You're, that is completely wrong. There's no way that that is Jesus. There must be punishment for you. Some of them were kicked out of communities, kicked out of homes, kicked out of cities, others thrown into prison because of one man's opinion about what he said had to be true. And eventually meets Jesus, and we read in, in Acts that he, he meets God, and he hears a voice, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? Because he knew. His life is radically changed forever. In Acts chapter 16, we read him having a vision, and he has this dream, and someone is crying out from Macedonia, please, someone come and save us. And so Paul, being Paul, he wakes up and grabs a few people. As I said, he was a tent maker. He has his leather tools so he can build tents. He says, you know, let's plant a church. The first church he planted in Europe was here, near Macedonia, in Philippi, the church of Philippi. He walks up, and he sees these people outside, these women by the water. And in his head, that would have said multiple things because it was, they were out by the water and they were worshiping according to their Jewish tradition. In his mind, he would have thought, all right, that must mean that there is not a strong culture of Judaism here because if there were more than 10 who believed in the Jewish beliefs, there would be a synagogue, but there's not, so they're by the water. So they need Jesus. And him being walking good news, walked up and talked to this woman named Lydia. Lydia took that message back to her house. Everyone gets baptized, and their lives are changed forever. And that church begins. Shortly after that, Paul goes to prison. Then he gets out and then he goes back. He gets out and goes back. And then he writes Philippians in prison and begins with thankfulness and joy. So maybe it's your first time joining us today or maybe first time being at a church in a while. I can't wait to dive into this passage because we're getting to read from a person who has a messy history, but such a powerful present, which I think could be for all of us. And he pens these words from brokenness because prison could have been it. Written in prison, prison back then was a time of imminent death. You knew that death was coming. It wasn't a punishment. It was a waiting place. So no matter what your 2019 looked like, no matter what your 2020 is planning to look like, as we dive into this text today, I pray that God has some amazing words for every single one of us. The goal of Philippians was to encourage. So my prayer is that we're all encouraged. Let's read Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. That says Paul and Timothy. In 2018, who was your Timothy? Who was the person that you are raising up? Who was the person that maybe be a few, maybe a few years behind you, maybe career-wise a, a few years behind you, whatever it looks like. Maybe they don't have kids. Maybe their kids are just getting ready to graduate high school, and you know what it's like to send them off to college. Who was your Timothy? I would encourage all of us to have one or two or three in 2020. And he says, servants of our Lord Jesus Christ, servants. Normally he begins the Pauline epistles in these letters. He begins them by saying, 
Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ our Lord. Placing his authority. But this one he says, a servant. And that word servant is doulos in the Greek, and it means a bond slave. Not like a hired servant that can choose if they like the work and is getting paid for it and is like, ah, I think I'll leave. But someone who is a slave to the master. This is whatever you need me to do, I'm going to do no matter what. He interchanges that word bond slave to connect us with Christ or connect us to sin. They're both extremely powerful, but one is so much better. In 2019, what were you bound to? To all God's holy people, and still continuing verse 1, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to pause for a second. Grace and peace. Grace was a Greek greeting. Charis, as they would say, just like their hello. And peace was Jewish greeting, shalom. He says different cultures, different backgrounds, but to all of you, we are one in Christ Jesus. So no matter what you walked in today with, no matter what your tomorrow looks like, we're one. There's something beautiful about that. Then it begins. Remember, he's in prison. Verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you and all of my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection. That word affection means compassion, with the compassion of Christ Jesus. Eight verses, but what can we learn? Paul is trying to tell us something, and as we dive further into it, one of those things is taking time to reflect and be thankful about the people in our lives that made 2019 meaningful. Remember, he's in prison. He's letting them know, hey, I understand I'm messy, and <laughs> thank you for hanging out with me. They would write him letters because this would be it. This essentially could be it for him. And there was this stigma about the, the prison system, much like it is today. I don't want to associate with that person because their past is messy. Oh, well, maybe they got caught. Maybe you didn't. Paul is saying, thank you. Thank you. I understand it can be messy. You can understand you don't want to associate with me, but you're writing me letters. You're sending me money so I have food. What I like to think of is in typical Roman prisons, he would be chained to a guard. And you know Paul, walking good news, you know he was just telling the gospel the entire time. Hey, but I have joy. I can imagine that guard being like, quit talking about your joy. How do you have joy? Look at this place. Like, man, God is so good. Is he? Like, man, I'm, I'm about to believe in your God, so I get out of here too. Thankful for the people that made your life meaningful. Who stayed with you in 2019? When you got messy. When family got messy. Yep, and when church got messy. Who stayed? 
who's still there? And I want, I, I want to pray for that kind of depth, that I'm always praying in joy for my friends, my family around me, for their partnership. That, part, that word partnership is community. That communion with one another. Man, I pray for that. And then we have to reflect on who we shared our journey with. Not just who was involved in my life, but who did I really get to share with? Something else I learned this year is the word and. I would often say things like, hey, you're doing a great job, but... Yeah, my wife really likes that. It's really cool. Yeah. So one day she came, she came home, and she works in the behavioral health field, and she's hey, I got I to share a word with you. I was like, what's going on? She's like, all right, cool. I like words. She's like, all right, the word is and. I was like, okay. She's like, you always say but. And I was like, yeah, but. She's like, no. <laughs> the word is and. Because you see, whenever you say but, you disregard what you said before. When you say and, you're validating. So I'm learning... When I share my journey with people, it may be difficult, and God is greater. The relationship may be in a difficult position, but it's not going to, no, and God can work it out, and I need to do my part, and they need to do their part. Who did you share your journey with? Something else I learned this year? was that people would begin sentences with me, like, hey, Marcus, I know you're really busy. It's like a dagger every time I hear it. Do I want to be known for that? Busy? Hey, Marcus, I know you're really busy, but man, it'd be really awesome if we could talk about some real serious stuff that's going on in my life. What? That's not a sentence I want to hear. I don't want to be known for being busy. I want to be known for being effective and intentional and loving and caring and joyful. Hey, Marcus, I know that you're always laughing. I know that you really love Jesus. Man, can we get some time this week to have some coffee? Yeah, for sure. I'm sorry for any of you in this room that have believed because I portrayed it, that I was too busy at times. 2020, I don't want that to be the case. Hey, Marcus, I know there's a lot going on for you, but I would love to get some time together. Yeah. And some of my busyness is my fault. Reflect on who you're sharing your journey with. Maybe you isolate. When things get tough, ask yourself this question. Maybe write it down. What do I do when it gets tough? Do you isolate or do you surround yourself with people and socialize? For me, I isolate, for sure. Because I'd rather be in my thoughts and my own thoughts, telling my own thoughts to myself so I can think about them, right? <laughs> Other people are like, no, I don't want to think about my thoughts. I'm going to hang out with other people so they can talk, think about their thoughts so I don't have to think about my thoughts. I'm like, no, I want to think about my thoughts so I can keep thinking about them. When I share my journey with people and I get to talk with them, and we call it bleed, and I get to bleed with them and share my most vulnerable moments, man, that leaves me feeling like Paul, I'm thankful. Whether I'm in chains or not. Many of us have heard Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In verses 10, 11, and 12, he's speaking of where he's actually at and what's going on, and he says, my circumstance 
doesn't control my joy. My joy is based on my Christ, not my circumstance. So to get to that place where we can do all things, we need to look at what we're surrounding ourselves with, who we're surrounding ourselves with, say, all right, who did I bleed with this year? Who did I really share everything with? Were they the right people? Were they not the right people? The Philippians stayed when he was in prison, and they could have easily left. Who's staying right now? And we go on and ask the question, do I see the relationships in my life like Paul did, lens of gratitude? Or am I the one that's venting and complaining when I have to go and do something with people? It's like, hey, guess what? And you got New Year's coming up. Hey, what's, what's going on for New Year's? Oh, we're going to go over there. We're going to hang with this person, this person, that person, that person. Oh, my gosh. Or you're like, man, I'm so thankful that I have anybody to hang out with. You know, some things I've had to set boundaries in 2019. One of those is with negativity because I can jump in too. When people are like, oh, man, you know what's wrong? I'm like, yeah, I do. We'll talk about it. <laughs> I just hold on. All right. When people begin to get negative, all right, you can vent, all right, then they complain, and that's where all of us as pastors and ministers, because we all are according to the word, talk to me on the patio, I'll tell you where, we pastor people through that. Oh, I understand, that sounds like it must be difficult, but man, you know, we all play a part to bring everything to make it look more and more like the kingdom. So they vent, and they complain, and then this is where I leave when people begin to gossip, and none of us would do that, right? No. But you know who does? No. No. Vent, complain, and gossip. Set your boundaries. And watch yourself live in gratitude. I am so thankful for the people that I've been surrounded by. Many of you in this room, I thank you. Every time we get on the platform, you hear us say it, whether we're talking about giving moments or serving our, our church, serving the local community, serving across the world, we always say thank you. And I would hope you're getting sick of hearing it because that means we're maybe starting to say it enough. I want to say thank you for walking in my life this year, in my craziness, my messiness, my dad jokes, all of it. <laughs> yes, someone <laughs> said yes. Right. All of it. Thank you. If this is it for Paul, if he's writing this letter knowing that this could be it, and he pens the words, I want to thank you. It's showing us one of the things he valued at the end of his life was the relationships of the people that were around him. And I'd like to ask, what are you valuing right now? What am I valuing right now? And I love Paul because he continually sees this evidence in his own life and seeing how God is working in and through him. And that's the question we're asking today. Am I seeing God work in me and through me? Have I seen God work in me and through me in 2019? Am I walking good news? Do I walk into a room and people are upset? That's always a good question to ask. What do people think when you walk into a room? Are they like, oh, here comes Marcus. Here we go. When you walk into a room, they're like, oh, my gosh. How's it going? Ethan, come here, man. Oh, man, you got to talk. Let's hang out. Or when you leave a room, 
You're like, all right, guys, we'll see you later. Oh, thank goodness he's gone. Isn't he the worst? <laughs> Be walking good news. And watch the evidence be all around you. It does, every time. How do people view you? Your conversations, your talks, your words. Because that's a portion of the evidence. In verse 6, he says, Being confident that he who began the good work will carry it out to completion. That he, being Jesus, being God himself, to work, make that work out fully into completion. That completion looks like Romans 12.1. Where the message translation says we take our ordinary breathing, eating, working life and lay it down as a sacrifice before God. That's our reasonable act of worship. That work is you saying, Lord, you can have it and do what you will. And he goes, oh, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. Because what we often do is go, all right, Jesus. I'm getting rid of this. I don't need it anymore. It's messing up my life. It's messing up my, my marriage, whatever. It's messing up my family. I, just, I don't like the negativity that I'm bringing out. You're like, God, it's yours. You're like, well, you're not doing anything with it, God, so I'm going to hold on to it for a little more. And God's like, no, 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 place it down. Let him have it. Let him work it into completion. God, you can have it. And then at times we can feel like we just need to give up. And I think Paul knows that about us, but also to the other churches that he planted, one of those churches being in Galatia, and he writes this in Galatians chapter 6, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. Man, if we don't give up. Some of us have given up a little too early. Hey God, this is yours. All right, well, I'll take it. God's like, man, I was, I was getting ready to move in a way that your prayer, you couldn't even begin to say it because I knew exactly what your heart wanted, but your lips couldn't profess it. He said, I have a harvest for you that's greater than anything you could ever imagine. Do you know that's God, God's heart for us every year, every single day, every moment? He continually tells me, hey, Marcus, I have more for you. And I'm like, all right, financially, I'm sure. He goes, nope. <laughs> all, right, all right, well, thanks, that'll help. Marcus, I have more for you, weight-wise. I know, God, I'm trying to help out with that. He said, no. Marcus, I have more for you. What is it? Destiny, purpose. Continually see seeking more because there's this great harvest we can reap. And honestly, I don't know anything about horticulture or plants or gardening or anything at all. I did use the word horticulture. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, but I don't know anything about that. But Nikki and I have this tree in our backyard that's like, it's like a twig. It's got like a little tiny twig, and it, off of it comes lemons, limes, and oranges. The same stinking tree. If you're not fascinated, you know more than I do, so don't tell me about it. I'm fascinated. I want to stay there. <laughs> I'm blown away. We don't know, and like, I don't know the seasons of it. It's just like, hey, what's on the tree? Well, let's see. Hey, there's limes. Perfect. Limeade. Sounds good. And then you're like, we think it's a lime. You cut open, it's an orange. You're like, it's not ripe yet. All right. And we don't do anything to that tree. We don't turn the water on outside because it's too expensive to water our grass. So we don't have grass out there. It's just dirt now and this tree that just will keep on going. Like, man, that's what I want harvest to be, right? So I start, we start thinking, hey, you know what? Maybe we have green thumbs. <laughs> we can do this. <laughs> yeah, you know where it's going. So 
uh, we really like vegetables, and Nikki's like, hey, well, I like putting all these spices in it. I'm like, whatever you do, keep doing it. And she's like, all right. So I, I, like, I want to get some basil. So she gets some basil. It goes to the store and gets some, like, fresh basil that we can plant in the ground. Two days later, it's completely dead. <laughs> we need to do the work. I mean, we kind of gave up. We're like, hey, we got it. Do like you did with the tree, you know? <laughs> you have to put in the work, and we, we can't give up. I know we want to. But, but when we are at the point where we feel like we want to give up, ask yourself this question. Am I being spirit-led or flesh-driven? Am I being spirit-led in this moment or being flesh-driven? Oftentimes for me, the question to be simplified, because I'm a simple person, is am I drawing attention to myself or to God in this moment? Maybe I don't need to give up. Maybe I need to keep pushing. And so ask ourselves, how are we going weary with the amount of time it's taking God to complete certain things in our lives? Have we thought that, well, by now we figured this would happen, but it hasn't. Maybe some of your goals in 2019 needed a little more time. Maybe you said, I'm going to lose 100 pounds in 2019. I'm going to go to the gym twice a week. Well, you might need a little more time with that one. Maybe you said, I'm going to be a millionaire in 2019. In one year, if you can do that, you are part of the few. Maybe you need a little bit more time. What are you expecting God to complete in 2020? Better yet, what is he asking you to complete in 2020? Maybe it's mending a relationship. Maybe it's having that hard conversation. Maybe it's setting boundaries, whatever it may be. If I've learned anything about God's timing, is it's always better, and it's always longer. I'm like, hey, God, all right, so um, let's say in the next two weeks, this will happen. He's like, yeah, I'll make it six. I'm like, why? He's like, well, you need to learn. That's how God's timing works. I go to the gym in the morning. I have my headphones on. I want to go to the gym, and under, it's my time, right? Anyone have their time? It's never ours, right? We're like, this is my time. No one's going to bother me. Yeah, I have my headphones on. And I'm noticing that my physical um, health is often attached to my spiritual health because what I'm listening to or, or who I see. And so I'm at the gym, and I'm like, oh, this is my time. I'm going to be by myself doing the elliptical thing. Yep, I do that, right? I'm going, whatever. And then I'll see someone, and like, hey, Marcus. I'm like, hey, oh, this is my time. And God's like, no, it's mine. I'm like, oh, okay. I was like, I, I planted you here because you're walking good news. Share the good news. And so I take my headphones out, turn off my podcast, sometimes which are just comedians, nothing biblical at all. <laughs> I'm like, oh, how are you doing today? I have all the time in the world because I refuse to be busy. And God says, you wanted a six-pack. And I say, yeah. He says, well, it's not going to happen. All right. <laughs> he lets me know that he's making me more and more to look more and more like him. And at times it's frustrating. But man, when I look on 20, at, back at 2019 and where I was in 2018, I'm getting there. Sometimes baby steps. But oh, man, <laughs> I don't want to go back to where I was. Amen. I'm so thankful that he is completing these things in my life. 
And I'm thankful that he makes me wait because I want everything right now. Right now. Why do I have to push that button when Netflix asks me if I'm keeping watching? Of course I am. Just right now, go. <laughs> Shouldn't have to wait for anything. I'm hungry. I want it now. DoorDash, right now. Taking too long. Ten minutes too long. And God's like, no, I'm going to work some things to completion and teach you patience. And we're going to lessen that pride there, Marcus. Okay. <laughs> Let's be ready for him to work things into completion and expect him to do it. I don't mean expect like, oh, I'm sure he will. No, expect. Oh, God, I can't wait until you do it. I cannot wait. God, you know, if today is the day, I will rejoice. If tomorrow is the day, I will rejoice. If it happens in 30 years from now, God, I will rejoice. Either way, I'm expecting that you're going to do it because I know you will. Let's wait for him to complete the things he's completing. And then determine what this prayer focus is going to be like this year. Maybe for you, that's a whole new thing in itself. Prayer focus. See, for me, I have trouble focusing. I told you I have trouble forgetting. Yes, and I have trouble focusing. So I have to have apps on my phone, not just to remind me like my three calendars, but also to remind me to pray for people. Because we've all done it. Oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. And then you see them, and you're like, Lord bless them. I just prayed for you. I've been praying for you the whole... <laughs> no. I have an app called the Echo app, and it reminds me to pray for people. I can put in it who I want to pray for. I'm going to pray for John. How long would you like to pray for John? Oh, I'll say 10 minutes. All right. Um, you can pray for John for 10 minutes. When do you want the reminder? Um, 9 a.m. every day. All right. So then I see them. Hey, John, I've been praying for you. I shake their hand. And they don't know. Right? Because no one says, have you really been praying for me? And then we probably would lie, right? I can say, I, I have been praying for you. The Echo app has helped me tremendously because I'm forgetful. Also, Spotify. I love music. But when I'm studying and praying the word, I can't have music that has lyrics in it because I'll start singing. Right? Be reading through, and Paul and Timothy, beautiful man. And I'm like, I forgot the past five chapters I was reading. So on Spotify, I have a playlist I listen to. It's called Intense Studying. It's not like hard music or anything. It's like, yeah, no. It's, it's violins and cellos and pianos. And she's like, Wah. right? And you really can't sing along with it. I can try sometimes, but it doesn't work. And I told myself to stop. Or maybe it's getting a prayer journal. And some of you are like, I've seen prayer journals, and they're like 40 bucks. I know, I saw them too. I've looked for them on Amazon. Like, man, these are kind of expensive. Prayer shouldn't cost that much. I was like, there's got to be a different way to do this. So I walked myself to Walmart. Love Walmart. You can find everything just like at Target for cheaper. So I walked to Walmart, and I said, I'm looking for a prayer journal. And they're like right in the back. So I look in the back, and I see these ones like, oh, prayer, and it's got verses on it and stuff. $13.95. I was like, too much. Prayer's free. I'm like, all right. So I looked, and I found this one right here. It was like $6.99. It's got fake leather. Oh, well. And it's got lines in it. So I can pray, and I write down just kind of what I feel God is saying to me because I believe he's still speaking. And maybe he's speaking to you through images and pictures and nature like he does for me and music and the word. Maybe you've heard the audible voice of God, which if you have, I'm so jealous. That's so awesome. But man, write it down. Because I can look back in the past few years, my prayer journals, like, oh man, look where I was and where I am and where God's taking me. 
One last app I use is the Dwell app, and it just reads the Bible with this awesome music in the background. You feel like you're just on the top of a mountain or something. It's like, in the beginning, God created, you know, it's just, and I love it, but it just causes me to focus. Because if I'm not focused, I'm looking at everything. I see my two cats and my two dogs. Yes, it's a farm at the house. It's just too much going on. It's wild. But we have to pray with some type of focus. Again, Paul in prison begins by thankfulness and ends this portion in prayer. In such a beautiful prayer. Let's read it together in verse 9 through 10. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. This knowledge is not a type of intellectual knowledge, it's experiential, that you would experience Christ in new ways. In verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul's prayer for us is that our character would become more loving. Oh, and that can be a tough one. See, at, at our house, I like things to be clean. It's just kind of how I am. It's not because like, oh, you really like clean things? Nope. When I clean, my brain shuts off, and I'm just like, I will clean this, and now it's gone. That's a good thing. That's a win for me today. So I like the house to be clean. It's just how I am, and I love cleaning. And then my nephews come over. Um, two nephews. One of them, his name is Joshua, and he's four years old, and he's a Tasmanian devil. Completely. He walks in, and he's like, I'm like, whoa, hey, hang in there. Right? I got the Dwell app playing. We got this awesome music in there. This is just intense, right? And so he starts yelling things. He walks up to a robot vacuum, and is like, pushing things all over the place, knocking things down. Nikki's getting crafts and stuff for him. I'm like, yes, markers on the wall. Let's do it. You know, he's getting everything out. It's awesome. And and then, not only that, he's inside, he's making noise, and everything's going all over the place. And then he sees the dirt outside, because we don't water our grass, which I already told you, right? So he goes outside, and he's like, the dirt! And he's like, ah! Gets it, puts it in his hands, over his head. Over and over again. And then he does this thing, he goes, with whatever's in front of him. Anything. It can be water, it can be cups, it can be beverages. He's like, Why? Why? And then he comes inside, whether it's raining or dry, he comes inside because all of that dirt and mud is now on him, and he comes inside, and he's like, hi, and I'm like, yes, you're on the couch. Oh, that's so good. Oh, touch the walls. Bring the mud on the mirror. Why not? Oh. And then I see Joshua, and God's like, hey, you know, that's you? And I was like, I don't play in dirt. That's ridiculous. He's like, but you're messy, too. And at times you're hard to love. I'm like, all right. All right. Sometimes God has to speak to me in a lecture because that's the only way I get it. I'm a little thick-headed. So he tells me this, and I'm led to lead myself and ask God to lead me to be more loving towards everybody, towards people. Because people may be difficult, and God has given you the power and the grace and the experience to love them, and he's given you the permission to pastor them through it. Become more loving this year. We often focus on what we're going to do, this, like I said, the gym or the planner. We have these different activities we want to do in the new year. Let's start with our character. 
reflecting on 2019, were you as loving as you ought to be, as you want to be? I know for me, I wasn't. There's times when I could have been, but I was too busy. So I'm walking in 2020 trying to be more loving. Because as God reminded me, you're hard to love too, Marcus. And we often have those people that are just like us, that frustrate us the most, right? Have you talked to your spouse and been like, you're not going to believe this person. They come in, they're telling dad jokes, they're singing everything all the time. It's just ridiculous. And she's like, yeah, that's you, babe. That's, oh, oh, perfect, cool. <laughs> Learn to love. And then ask God for this discernment, for decisions we have to make. Maybe you have difficult decisions to make this upcoming year. Maybe there's some hard conversations, some no's you may have to say, some yeses, some things you have to place down. Maybe when that character slide came up and we were talking about character, maybe you're realizing, you know, there's things that I have to get rid of. There's steps I have to take to become better, and I'm not going to give up. But I'm going to get rid of certain things that don't make me look more and more like Christ. Maybe you've been trying all 2019 to wake up early and read the Bible. So you have your alarm clock at 4 a.m., you're ready to go, and your family is frustrated because at 6 a.m. you are still just as angry and now angrier because you have less sleep. Maybe part of your discernment for 2020 is, you know what, I'm just going to get up at the normal time and read at night. Yes, your family will love you for it. Because when they walk up and you're like, I'm reading the Bible right now, they're like, come on. <laughs> Become more and more loving. And this discernment is not just what's better for you, but what's better for everyone involved. Maybe 2019, you're looking to benefit ourselves, myself, yourself more than it was the betterment of everybody. In that verse, he says that you'd be able to discern. And then he wants you to be sincere. What I love in this passage is this word discernment, again, is for everybody. But when it comes to the sincerity, that you would look more and more like Christ, that word sincere comes from the beginning is sin to be without and seer is wax. Because the church of Philippi was heavy, under heavy Roman rule. And there most likely would have been different cults that would be present that were worshiping the only Lord they believed, Caesar. And so they would build these statues and they'd build these monuments. And inside people's homes, they would go and they'd purchase these these monuments and bring them into their home so they could have a place to worship Caesar. And as they're building these, as the craftsmen would be building these statues and these sculptures, they'd use stone, they'd be heavy, and they'd have to mold them, and they'd mold the faces and do different things. And once they got to a difficult place, like the nose, just really difficult with stone. So they'd grind down some rock from the stone, and they'd get some wax and they would mix that together and kind of sneak it in. And you'd have the nose or the lips or the ears look like just stone, but it was stone and wax. So you have this beautiful sculpture inside of your home. Then a hot summer day comes, 
and the nose is next to the lips and the ears are on the shoulders. Paul is saying, you've seen what it feels like when someone is not really telling you the truth. You know what it feels like when someone's sincere and you know what it feels like when someone's not. You felt it in your homes. This year, be sincere, look more and more like Christ. In 2019, where are we? Begin to ask yourself. It's not a place of shame, like, man, I wish I would have done more. I really messed. This is not a time for shame. It's a time for simple reflection. Yeah, I wish I would have done more last year. And God has given me grace to move forward. I know for me, it's asking these last two questions. What do I want to see God do in my life this new year? And what do I want to see God do through my life this new year? For me, it was really finding a therapist and counselor that could really dive in a little deeper than I've ever had before. I'm a lifelong therapy guy. I believe it's extremely important. Heard someone say it's not just for the sick, it's for the living. So I fully believe in it. So I meet with my, my therapist, my, and I, I talk with him, and I share with him. And at times, I'll be like, I feel this way, and I don't know why. And he goes, let's stop. Again, because I like to be busy. Let's stop. Let's just wait. What are you feeling right now? Mm, kind of heavy. Where? Well, like in my heart, my chest, I guess. Where do you think that's coming from? Well, I, I don't, and I have, to, I have to think. And I talk, and I share. And I'm given this amazing opportunity to be real and to be helped and walk through and talked through things that I never could imagine doing alone. So maybe for you, what you want to see God do in and through you this year, maybe it's saying, you know, I need some help beyond what I can do myself. I need to find some therapy, some help, some outside help, whatever that looks like. Maybe signing up for Celebrate Recovery, which is one of our life groups for hurts, habits, and hangups, no matter what you're going through. Maybe you just feel like you have this weight on your shoulders that you can't get rid of, try celebrate recovery. Because there's people just like you and me who are broken, looking for a healer. Maybe God wants to do something in and through you this year where he wants to see a moment where you and your wife sit across from each other and say, what can I do to love you more? Maybe you sit at the dinner table with your kids and you say, I just want to let you know I love you. Is that it? Yep. And I'm proud of you. It's not a thing you can do to change that. Some kids just need to hear that. Maybe it's talking to God and saying, Lord, this unforgiveness, which is one of mine, this unforgiveness, I need to give it to you so you can work through me. Because I want to impact others. I want to change the lives of the other people. I want to be walking good news. Help me be able to do that. Worry out. If you would just close your eyes for a moment and begin to think. We're closing 2019, going into 2020. What do I want to see God do in my life and through my life? And I want to give him some time 
We often try to rush him and speak for him. What is God speaking to you right now? God, we want to see you speak through us. We want to see you change us. Lord, show us the areas of our character that need to be more loving, more caring, more like the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, gentleness. God, teach us how to be more like that. Let this year be a year where we grab onto your truths in the moments where we feel like we have nobody, that we pause and be thankful for the people that are truly there. Lord God, if we need to have difficult conversations this next year, be with us. Because those conversations are hard and we can grow from them. Lord, be with each of us in our homes, in our families, in our workplaces through this new year. Lord, love would permeate every aspect of our lives, that we'd look more and more like you. Now let us ask as we close out 2019 about our relationships. Are they the right ones? And Lord, if they're not, help us lead well. Help us lead people to you, not just ourselves. God, be with us. Let 2020 be a year of refreshing, rejuvenation, and finding love and joy in you and you alone. Let us learn from our past, but be so hopeful for the future that is found in you and you alone. Father, we love you and we thank you and we all pray. Amen. Let's give God a hand this morning.